Well, good morning. And I've not told you for maybe a week or two now. I love you. And I like you. And I like you. You ever love someone who not really liked them? <laughs> Any of you had a middle schooler in your family? Yeah, you <laughs> understand. I love you, but liking you is only a challenge right now. So. But I like you and I love you. So um, today we're in our series. It's, it, we're, we're back at it again in the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, go with me to Proverbs 11. We're going to scan our way through Proverbs. We'll start with chapter 11. And then um, hold your place there and then go to Titus 3 in the New Testament because I want to pick up a couple verses there. It's amazing how because of the inspiration of Scripture, how one section ties into another and you realize that, and we're going to see that over and over again, but today particularly, because I want to talk with you about kindness. Kindness really, really matters. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it, it really is. It is the DNA of God, kindness. So Father in heaven, um, we ask now you set us apart to hear your word and to uh, take it to heart. Change us where we need to be changed. And then uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Make us bold where we need to be bold. Uh, but may we be, when we leave here today, not just Christian, but ever so more like Christ. We pray in the Savior's name. Amen. So kindness really does matter. It really does matter. I, I, I am uh, appalled at what I see happening over just the last decade if you've been with us in the Proverbs series, maybe you're just dropping in for the first time. We're a half a dozen weeks into maybe a 12-week series. So there have been some tough messages. You go back and listen. You can catch those online. But today, this is an easy, this is an easy softball, underhand pitched right to you over the plate, real easy. And I, I wanted to back off a bit, but I want to say, too, that kindness is serious business. So this is an easy message to preach, easy one for you to hear. And, and we've been doing some hard work. Uh, if you were here last week, how many of you were here last week? Yeah, I did the sex talk last week, and you, were, you came back. Whoa, gosh, sometimes you never know. Not coming back to that place. But, but we've had some tough messages. This one's an easy one, but it is appalling what happens in society. And I think it's just important for you to hear what God has to say about what's happening in society. And you're going to illustrate this in your own head in light of news and what's happening uh, in our in our communities, in our schools, in government, and in our businesses, and even on our block. But kindness is a big deal. It sounds like, oh yeah, just be kind. You know, you, you tell your kids as they go out to play, be nice, win, but be nice. And, but make sure you win, you know, because you are a soccer mom, you want them to win. But it's, the kindness is woven in God's story all throughout the book, his book, the Bible. It is, it, is, it is deeply ingrained in the life of Jesus. It's manifest through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens in society is this. People will take your kindness and bait you if you're not careful. And they're looking for a fight that they can win. And if they don't win, then they'll turn and file suit on you. And there's, because we live in a very retaliatory uh, society. Retaliation, setting up to bite back, to later sue, to come back. It's part of our culture. I came from a family not that many years ago that had the mantra, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah, so our house was fairly quiet. <laughs> and, if, and if we said something not nice in public, we were shamed in public. I mean, my parents had no problem uh, lowering our dignity a little bit uh, in public, if you get my drift. 
But that, that lack of, of, uh, of, a, uh, of a society that, that takes care of its own and minds its manners, that has gone off of the rails, and we see it today more than ever in the thing called, we, we have one word for it, called bullying. And we, we find it everywhere. It's not just in elementaries. It, it, was, it was in high schools and went to middle schools, and now it's in elementary schools, but it's in businesses as well, and it's very manipulative. And kids learn it from parents who are under stress, and kids need to, I know, need to be toughened up and need to handle words which are tough. But sometimes bullies need to be feared because they do follow through. And kids live with emotional loads that they're not capable of carrying. Kids today carry more stress than ever before in history. Maybe going back to the Dark Ages. Maybe there it was worse. We don't really have records. But what we do know is this. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has found that last year there were, there were 45,000 deaths in the U.S. that were suicides. 45,000 in, in 2016, 2017, 2018. Those numbers are being crunched now. But suicide rates in the last decade are up 30%. 30%. So we're losing a whole wave of people. And... And some of it, it could be mental health issues, uh, quite honestly. But what we're finding is that half of those people that, that go through the tragedy and exercise that option of suicide, half of them are not even diagnosed. So we don't know that they are mentally ill. And, and those people are under stress that's inflaming the, the, the tragedy. And what happens is it escalates because then people, you've seen it in the news, people will say a girl will say to her boyfriend or a, a guy will say to her his girlfriend why don't you just go out and kill yourself you've seen that in the news i mean it's not what i'm telling you is not something you've not heard at six or seven o'clock on the evening news i was uh, listening at, with great interest to a man by the name of ed stetzer ed stetzer is a former publisher with lifeway a humongous publishing christian publishing house out of nashville he is now the director for the billy graham center at wheaton college He's, so he's a professor, and he directs the, this place that, that preserves a bit of what Billy Graham did during his wonderful, nearly, those wonderful hundred years. And Stetzer when, uh, uh, tells this story. By the way, prolific writer, great guy, if you ever get his material. Um, he, he was asked in 2016 to write a book. Publishers came to him and said, we want you to write a book on Christians and, you know, living in a hostile culture. And he goes, um, I'm not going to write that book because this, this is an election year. Of course, everybody's going to be hostile. It's, it's an election year. And they said, we want you to write the book. He said, well, I don't want to write a book that that'll, isn't going to sell. It takes me a, a year to write a book. By the time you write it, get it edited, get it published, get it printed, get it out in bookstores, have it, and then you go around the country and sell the book. It takes a year for all that to happen. By that time, people will calm down. And they said, we want you to write the book. And so he wrote the book, and the book's entitled Christians in the Age of Outrage. And, and, and what he's talking about is people who are mad at Christians and then Christians who are just mad in general, angry Christians. And he th wrote the book and thought sales are going to flop, and to his surprise, what he found out is two years after he wrote the book, it is worse today than it was during the election. It is escalating. The anger is not going away. It's actually going up. It's, it, it, in other words, kindness is becoming a lost art. There's a group of ministers that found it to be the case, and they were so concerned with it, they went to their denominations. The denominations were so concerned with it that they went together. 
we talk about the Redskins winning the world or the uh, Super Bowl, that being a miracle. When denominational people get together, that's a miracle. There were in a room, there were Catholics and Lutherans and Presbyterians and, and Methodists and Baptists and Brethren, or a, a whole a National Association of Evangelicals, which is a whole cluster of different denominations, all got together because they were so concerned about the lack of civility in our country. And they put together a coalition called called the Golden Rule 2020. And they're not even praying for anybody to win the next election. All they're praying for is for civility in the election. That's, in, 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 it's a wonderful thing, but to think that we even have to pray that, it's crazy, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I've had friends in foreign countries who said, we have an election, pray that not many die. That's where we're headed, folks. That's where we're headed. That's how escalated it really is. So the challenge I want to give to you is very simple and one that you're going to buy into early. I know that you will. You wouldn't get out of bed and come to church on Sunday if you didn't want to be kind. But my challenge is this, to champion kindness. Be the lead person in the campaign that may be your own personal campaign this week uh, on, in your house and on the block and in your office or at the factory, wherever it is that you are during the week, you champion kindness. Don't stop at just thinking kind thoughts or stop at loving thoughts actually do kind things kindness is love that's in action it's love that lives itself out because kindness really matters it is a core value of god's it's demonstrated in his son and and the patience of the holy spirit working in our lives the fact that he doesn't give up on us is that he is super kind now having said all that go to titus chapter 3 and look with me at, would you look at just two or three verses here? It says in verse 3, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He's saying, that's the way we were, past tense. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Whoa. He saved us. Get back up. You don't, you don't get past this too quickly. At one time, we too. So he's, he's talking about culture being bad in this text. And by the way, when Paul writes, he's writing to Titus, who's a, a younger pastor, a few years younger than him. And, and Titus is actually a pastor, we think, on the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean Sea. And they were known as being lazy sluggards who were drunk all the time, just nasty people, okay? So when he says all that, he says, these people were foolish, they were disobedient and deceived. Sounds like a culture today, doesn't it? A little bit. Uh, passions and pleasures, and he says there was malice and envy, and, and not only did we hate, we, we hated each other. But it's in that kind of context, it's in that kind of setting that Jesus shows up. You get this? He doesn't fly by in the sky and go, boy, they're really, I'm not going into that pit. Okay? Not doing it. Not by the looks of it. No, it's in that kind of setting that Jesus shows up, and it's because of his loving kindness that Jesus shows up and he saves us. Undeserving as we are, God sends his very best, his son, and his son doesn't bring judgment. His son, and he could bring judgment, his son brings kindness. So here's my challenge to you. You want to be like Jesus. You're in a culture that's hostile, that is deceived and enslaved, and it's got all kinds of passions, and they hate each other. You could show up with justice on your lips, or you could show up with kindness.
If you want to be like Jesus, show up with kindness. I know that's going to take a, an incredible amount of discipline on our parts, right? Because it's easier just to start whacking at people, right? Telling them off, cutting them off at the knees. Yeah, go ahead, because we're right, because we got it down, right? Yeah, it would be easy to do that. And what does Jesus do? He decides not to. He decides to visit earth with a demonstration of kindness. Now, a simple word study through the Proverbs will underline this, and he does this eight or 900 years before Jesus even comes. And before we go to the Proverbs, let me just stop and say this. Why do we even have to go through a review like this? And I'll tell you why. It's because when you demonstrate kindness, some people will misinterpret that to mean that you are weak, right? Or some people will misinterpret your kindness as, I can push him over and I can convince him. No. You still are who you are. You're still going to tell the truth. You're still going to be honorable and righteous in all your acts. You're just going to be gentle about it. You're a brick. You just cover the brick in velvet. Okay? It's still a brick. You're still solid. You know the truth. But the difference being is you are wrapping this in kind of a way that people can get it and be helped. Now, some people will take advantage of you. Some people will push you. Some people will think, and this happened with Moses, uh, who's described as a meek man. They looked at his meekness as weakness, thinking they could coerce him or manipulate him. Don't be that person. And don't think that um, that won't happen to you because it probably will. Someone will try to take advantage of your kindness. Even still, choose to be kind. Now, having said all that, let's do just a, a walkthrough of the words kind throughout the Proverbs. Pick it up at chapter 11, verse 16. <clears throat> a kind-hearted woman gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. So you can choose. I think it's true for men or women. If you're kind-hearted, it's going to be honorable. But if you're ruthless, it's not going to be honorable. So you can be ruthless, and that might make you money, but kindness is going to be honorable. Write that down. Put that in your heart. Kindness is honorable. I was at a training event uh, recently. When we were getting ready for fall kickoff. It was with some greeters and ushers, people who work in the kitchen, hospitality. And there's different teams that came together, and we're sitting, and they're just talking about strategic ways. And we said, don't forget and it, um, to do what you're supposed to do. And then a guy who's one of the leaders of one of those crews says this, and as you do what you're supposed to do, do what you're supposed to do, that's good. But never forget, and I wrote this down because I don't, anyone gets, he said, keep in mind, they'll remember not only what you do, but they will mostly remember how you made them feel. So you could say, there's a chair, sit in it. Or you could say, here's a chair. Yeah, here's a bulletin, scram. <laughs> here's a bulletin, you're going to love it. Yeah, you understand? It, what's really going to stick with them, and it made total sense, how you make them feel. Choose to be kind, because kind, kindness is honorable. Secondly, uh, chapter 11, skip to verse 17. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. The cruel bring ruin on themselves. Eventually, this is the play out of the cruel person. may not be in the short run, but it will be in the long run. So what do you want to be? You want to be kind. Because why? It's to your own benefit. But it's to the benefit not only of you, but the people around you. Why? Because you've exercised kindness. When you extend grace to the person who needs it, it you respond a certain way. 
It's, it's good for your own soul, even if they don't receive it well. I hope you get this. Because not every time that you extend kindness do people receive it well. You extend kindness, you did your job, you were kind. If they don't receive it, that's theirs to own, okay? You be kind, why? Because it's beneficial to everyone in the room. Thirdly, chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, yeah, but just a good word. A good word is a mood lifter. It, it, your acts of kindness will serve to lift rather than squash another person. You may decide, and this is just an exercise you could do. You may grab a, a stack of three-by-five cards, keep one on your desk every day, and go, okay, five times this today, I'm going to be the person who gives a good word and cheers them up. I'm going to offer hope, or I'm going to offer gratitude, whatever it is, to cheer up the person. And you, you mark, mark yourself down. Hold yourself accountable. I want to get five in. And by, that means by noon I need three. Because the afternoon gets more difficult, doesn't it? As the blood sugar drops, it's hard to be cheerful. Amen? Amen. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Weariness makes cowards of us all. Yeah. So kindness is a mood lifter. Um, skip down to chapter 14, verse 21. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Get that. It's a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who's kind to the needy. Kindness offers hope, but when you offer kindness to someone who can't repay you, to the needy person, you're giving them hope, but you're giving yourself hope because you, you go back to the previous one, it, it actually boosts your own mood. When you are kind to the person who cannot repay you back, you, you know the payback is within your own soul. It, it offers hope to that person, but it also helps you appreciate where you are in life to be grateful and appreciate what, how you have been blessed. In your kindness, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself being truly, truly blessed. So, don't despise your neighbor. Gee, I wish I had what they had. You don't want what they have because you don't want their payments. Right? Be blessed with what you have. And then make sure that you extend that blessing to those who cannot repay you. Here's what I find, is if you only extend blessings to people who can repay you, that's an exchange. That's a trade. When you give to someone who can't pay back, that's, a, that's grace. That's Titus 3. We came out of a filthy, good-for-nothing culture, and we, we bought in on that. And out of that, it was the kindness of the Savior who showed up and visited us. And then, verse 5, and he saved us. That's extended grace. That is kindness. All right. Chapter 14, now verse 31, 10 more verses down. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Kindness is God honoring. So not only does it offer hope for yourself, but it, God sees that, brings a smile to his face. But if you oppress the poor, you're actually saying, I got it over you. I'm going to take advantage of you while I can. It's contempt for your maker. I grew up in a culture, um, uh, both of my grandfathers uh, worked either in the mill, a steel mill. Uh, one was a coal miner who got the big shot to get to go to the mill, uh, which allowed him to work until he dropped dead in the mill. He, he really did. Another one uh, worked on a trolley in the city, and then when he retired, went to the mill. 
they were hard, hard workers. And, and one of the reasons that made them hard workers, because they had gone through a season in life early in the early 1900s that when no one had anything. But I can remember my grandmother telling me that during the Depression, people who owned houses and there were renters in those houses, when times were tough, they would say, well, what do you have? And they would say, well, I, I have chickens. Okay, instead of rent this month, I'll take a dozen eggs. How kind. <laughs> what, what do you have? Okay, we'll hold off on that payment. Do you understand this? They were, go back to verse 31, whoever oppresses the poor, this is a person who chose not to oppress the poor. And that's how their block got out of the depression. Not the recession, but the depression. It was because of the kindness of people on the block. It was the kindness of people on the block. Um, Proverbs chapter 19, skip down to 19 if you're following. In verse 17, whoever is kind to the poor, here it is, lends to the Lord. Okay, <laughs> stop right there. How would you like to lend to the Lord knowing it's the Lord? I mean, what's the, what are the chances of that defaulting? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm lending to the Lord. What are the chances of him going, oh yeah, I forgot, or being late on a payment? No. He'll always be on time, and you don't have to worry. That's security, isn't it? Okay, I mean, if ever there were one, this is almost funny. I'm going to lend something to the Lord? <laughs> that makes no sense. Okay, verse 17. Whoever is kind lends to the, uh, to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward them. Who? The Lord will reward them for what they've done. So who's going to reward you for being kind? Yeah, God is, not the poor guy. God is. Okay, think about that for a moment. Like, okay, I'm helping you, but I know eventually, <laughs> I mean, you can do what you want. You can say thanks if you want. That's okay. But, I mean, the Lord's going to take care. He's going to pay your debt. Think about it that, in those terms. If we really believe that, we'd be kind to every poor person on the block. Think about that. When you extend grace, you offer that person hope but you know you're piling on for heaven. Even if the payback isn't in this life, how would it be if you showed up in heaven and you're walking down the streets of gold or just inside the pearly gates? They go, yeah, this is the guy who offered hope to people. He's a hero in heaven. That could be you. If you lend to the poor, if you are kind to the poor, it's as if you're lending to the Lord. All right. One more. Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor, chapter 28, verse 8, sorry. Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Let me, let me give you some context of this. When people pile on interest and then hold it to you, what happens is this. Those people eventually die and they give their amassed wealth to their children and because their children grew up in a rich home guess what they don't only give a rip about money this is this the gospel truth right here okay and so what do they end up doing they end up giving it away why because they have no they didn't have to work hard that hard for it because dad got it or grandpa got it it does not matter to them now understanding that go back to that proverb again verse 8 Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it, not for themselves, but for another. 
So here's what's going to happen. Kindness is going to happen. It is going to win. It is going to come out as kindness. It's just a matter of whether or not you're part of that story. Think of it that way. So do you want your name attached to that? Or no, not really. Because God is going to take care of his kids. He just is. And if you aren't going to do it, he'll make sure the next generation does. He'll redistribute it so someone who is kind will do it. So here's my challenge to you. If I were to go down the street at the block where you live and knock on the door of people next door down the street from you, hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, tell me about them. Would they ever use the word kind? Ask yourself that question. If they were to describe you, um, oh yeah, he's a Nats fan. Or that loser is a Redskins fan. And it's okay. But let's suppose, suppose one of us walked down the street on your block. Would your neighbors describe you as kind-hearted, forgiving, gentle, meek in spirit? Or do you cut off sentences, retaliate, argumentative, how would you be described? More loyal to a, a soccer team or a ball club or, or a particular philosophy in life? Or rigid about lawn care or lawn care products or whatever? I live in a subdivision, I'll tell you. I live in a subdivision. Our entire subdivision is out of code. <laughs> it just is. We just, you know. I, we lived there two years, and I found out we're not supposed to have a clothesline. We don't have a clothesline, but now it makes me want to put one up, you know? <laughs> but they're just sheds and driveways. People do stuff. You know what? You know where I live? I live in the best subdivision. You know why? People just get along. They're just kind. They're just kind. And I need a tool. I go across the street and borrow it. He comes across the street and just borrows mine. And then... I, I, he handed me tools back one time and they had tape on it with my name on it. I go, why did you do that? He goes, I remember who I borrowed it from. I go, I'll steal it from you if I need it again. <laughs> I was wondering where my 916 wrench was and I didn't know. And he had it, but it had my name on it. That's how kind my block is. Do you get this? Some of you live, I feel so sorry for you because it is, we were just talking about that this week because you, you go to buy a house and you look at the house. You should not be looking at the house. You should be looking at the neighbors you're going to have, right? Like, okay, this house is worth whatever it's worth, but how are the neighbors? Oh, they're gold. Are you lying to me? Oh, yeah, well, he's a jerk and he's an idiot. But they're gold, yeah. See, um, you, when you buy a house, you're buying into a neighborhood. I, I live in a great, great neighborhood. Some of you, I just feel so bad for you because you're in subdivisions and your HOAs, they just get together and thrash each other. You have to call the police because it's so violent. I, I wouldn't know. Seek, do you know anything about that? Okay, too much. My subdivision, we have, we have an annual meeting and it's a beer and brat fest on the street. They close the street. I'm not even sure that's legal, but we do. We just close the street, and everybody brings their grills out on a Saturday afternoon in September, October. And, and then uh, if there were any disagreements, mm, we were more concerned about Maryland football playing Virginia Tech or something else. You know, we were just talking. 
people bring lawn chairs and then there's brats and brownies and coleslaw and then when it's all done we fold it all up and go home and do it again the next year I live in a great subdivision because it's just that kind. And you know what? That's how it makes me feel. And guess what? I tend to be kind to them. Do you know why? Because when I moved in, they were kind to me. Okay? It's just part of the DNA of that subdivision. It just is. So you ask yourself this. If someone were to walk down the street and ask, well, what about your house? What are they known for? Well, I washed my trash cans in the in a windstorm and that neighbor brought them back for me that would be kind yeah now move over to your work and ask the same question would you be known or described as a kind person but I want what I want is this I want the people of SBC to be the kindest people in the county area or the tri-county area I want us just to be known is not only our love for Jesus but the kind of kindness that Jesus had is the kind of kindness that we have. So take inventory of your life. Here's, here's another little project you could just practice. You, you know how we spend a good amount of effort to look good. And by the way, you look good today. You do. And I'm glad you, you cleaned up to go out. That's a good thing. But ask yourself what kind of time and effort, what, ask yourself in inventory, what kind of time, what kind of effort, what kind of dedicated space in my house do I have to look good? We have a sink and a mirror and some brushes and combs and some creams and some gels and some other miracle working devices that just help us to look better. And then, and then you may even have some media that you, you get online and, oh, I'll do this to make myself look good. Ask yourself, am I giving that same kind of attention to my attitude, particularly to my kindness today? Do I, when I take inventory of my kindness, do I give it time and effort do I have dedicated space or dedicated effort? Do I actually resource? Do I actually get online and check? What can I do to be kind this week to someone around? Because uh, here's the way Paul put it in Colossians. He says, as God's chosen people, you're, you're, you're holy loved people. He says, clothe yourself just as if you're putting it on. And one of the things that you're going to put on is c- compassion and kindness. And in the Roman Empire days, they would put layers of clothing on, like just like big burlap clothes. And then when they were done, before they would go out to travel, they'd put a belt on. And he goes, and wrap it all in love. It's that word picture. And we don't get that because that's not what we do. But think of yourself as putting on layers of cloth. And when you're done, then wrap it in love. And you're known for that. You're dressed for success. So Titus 3 again. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He, he just saved us. Not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He could have come with judgment. Do you get this? We're a wicked society. He could have said, I'm going to clean this thing up. No, instead of doing that, he says, I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to save you. And it's out of my mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously through us, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that now we're justified by his grace that we have become the heirs of this living and eternal kind of hope and kind of life. Get that. He could have struck us with judgment. Instead, he didn't. He struck us with kindness. And that's what we'll do this week. My challenge to you is to be the champion of kindness on your block in your business because kindness really does matter. It is love in action. One story and then we're going to pray.
me go back to my friend Ed Stetzer. Stetzer tells the story of a taxi driver in New York City. He pulls up to a house, is making a call. He honks the horn, they should come out immediately. It's, it's New York. <laughs> he honks again, no one comes. For whatever reason, that taxi driver decides to get out of the car. He goes up to the door and raps on the door. A woman in her 90s comes to the door with a bag. And he has been given the assignment now. She tells him, this is where I'm going. And he knows it's a hospice center. She's going to die. She says as she gets into his taxi, could you stop at a couple of places on the way? And he said, sure, lady. And so they drove through a neighborhood where she and her husband had lived as newlyweds. She had me pull up to a furniture store that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a young girl. She would take me past a particular corner and ask me to slow down. She would stare and say nothing. And she eventually tired in the trip and asked to be take, taken to the hospice center. He refused to have her pay. And almost without thinking about it, he leaned down to her and gave her a hug. She held on to me so tightly, he said. You gave this old woman a little joy, she said. I squeezed her hand and walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sounding of a closing of a life. The taxi driver says, I didn't pick up any more rides on that shift. I drove aimlessly uh, through the city. I could hardly talk. And then he thought, what if that woman had gotten an angry driver or an impatient one who didn't bother to get out of the car? Or what if I had driven off after the first honk? And then he says, I don't think I've done anything more important in my life. Kindness really does matter. And since it matters to you, oh God, may it matter to us. You have visited us with your grace in Christ. How dare we be impatient? How dare we not be loving and kind because we have been forgiven of so much? May kindness come out of the pores of our lives this week, we pray. In the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.